This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, March 5th, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. Karl Rove's American Crossroads is claiming that the president is using an activist group to sell access to his schedule. Paul Sherman, an attorney at the Institute for Justice, argues that by raising the specter of money in politics, American Crossroads is working against free speech wins in recent years. American Crossroads is a super PAC that was formed uh, before the last presidential election. And they've put out an ad now criticizing a new nonprofit group called Organizing for Action. Uh, Organizing for Action is a direct outgrowth of the president's uh, former uh, Obama for American uh, for America campaign. Uh, and they are now raising money to try and promote the president's agenda. Uh, what American Crossroads is saying is that this is corrupt, that they are uh, uh, organizing for access, as the ad calls it. And so they're they're being pretty scathing in their criticism of this organization. Of course, it, it's sort of uh, the dog biting the hand that feeds it. That is to say, super PACs wouldn't have existed. And this, this kind of speech might be more difficult to facilitate were it not for court decisions that – explicitly allowed uh, particular particular interests to express themselves more obviously in the electoral system. That's exactly right. There's, there's definitely an irony to a group like American Crossroads bringing this criticism because American Crossroads as a super PAC only exists by virtue of recent Supreme Court and other federal court decisions that have struck down campaign finance laws, most notably the Supreme Court's decision in Citizens United versus Federal Election Commission, and then also a decision in a case that the Institute for Justice and the Center for Competitive Politics litigated called SpeechNow.org v. FEC. Those two cases together are why super PACs exist. Now, President Obama was very critical, in fact, uh, famously in his State of the Union address criticizing the Supreme Court directly, most of whom were sitting right in front of him. for what he termed overturning a century of law with regard to campaign finance restrictions. But of course, since then, he has uh, obviously embraced this uh, idea of allowing individuals and groups to speak more freely about politics in the public sphere. That's right. And I think that the president and his supporters can be legitimately criticized for a certain amount of hypocrisy on the issue of campaign finance. President Obama said that he was going to participate in the presidential public financing system in 2008, and then he backed out on that. He was initially very critical of super PACs, and then he started having his campaign supporters raise money for them. And he's been critical of the role of 501c4 nonprofits in politics, and now his supporters have started a 501c4 nonprofit to support his political agenda. So there is a, a a kernel to what American Crossroads is is talking about that is a legitimate criticism. And I think the real problem is the way they've gone about it. Instead of criticizing the president for his hypocrisy on this issue uh, and trying to make the case for free political speech and why it's a good thing, they are instead stoking public fears about money and politics. And in the long run, I think that can only hurt organizations like American Crossroads. Where we stand right now uh, with the state of free speech with respect to electoral politics is sort of a weird spot. Politicians obviously would prefer a system in which people can give their campaigns as much money as they really wanted to. They don't like a system so much where there are contribution limits uh, 
and then people can speak freely in the public realm about what they sort of like about these candidates, what they sort of don't like, or things that they're very pointedly opposed to. Uh, what do you think is ideal? Well, the ideal situation is the situation that that we at the Institute for Justice believe is mandated by the First Amendment, which says Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. And that's a system of no federal campaign finance laws. That's the system that we had for most of American history, and it's a system that worked perfectly fine. I think the existence of organizing for action is in some ways a symptom of the dysfunction that the laws have caused because in a way it admits that the political parties themselves are incapable of fulfilling the role that political parties are supposed to fulfill, which is to promote the agenda of the politicians who belong to those parties. Now we're seeing that role shifting to outside groups. The complaints that are offered by people who would uh, reform, that is restrict the ability of people to speak freely uh, in uh, the public sphere about electoral politics. Their complaint is about outside groups and it just is such such a strange turn of phrase when you refer to outside groups because you're talking about Americans who are getting together to advocate certain uh, for certain politicians or certain ideas. I, I, I think that's right. And in some sense, it demonstrates the effectiveness that the pro-campaign finance regulation movement has had in setting the terms of the debate when even a First Amendment lawyer who defends super PACs lapses into the language of outside groups. But you're absolutely right. What these groups are, the only thing that they do, they're groups of Americans who pool money to spend directly on political speech, talking to the public about political issues and political candidates. That's a quintessential exercise of First Amendment rights, and it's certainly not something that the public should be concerned about. What is a specific risk with regard to Crossroads uh, getting into this specific thing, raising the ire of, of money in politics? My major concern right now is that we have made major strides towards freer political speech over the last seven years at the U.S. Supreme Court. We've won a number of victories, but they've all been five to four victories. There's a razor-thin margin there. And all it takes is one change in the composition of the court, one conservative justice who has supported uh, the First Amendment and campaign finance issues to retire or otherwise leave the court, and everything could be up for grabs. And if that happens, a lot of these issues are going to be relitigated. And that new court is going to be looking at public opinion to decide how it is going to rule on these issues. If the public thinks that money in politics is a terrible thing, if it continues to be outraged about decisions like Citizens United, we could see those reversed. And that would be really unprecedented. There has never been a time in American history when the Supreme Court has first ruled that a type of speech was unquestionably protected and then reversed itself. But that could actually happen here if groups like American Crossroads keep playing up this fear of money in politics. Now, how strongly held are those opinions among Americans, though? You know, in terms of a rank ordering of issues, certainly it's it's fairly low. But how strongly held are those opinions? Well, that's a good point. I think that uh, distrust of money in politics and support for campaign finance laws generally are opinions that are held very broadly. But they're held very shallowly. They tend not to show up anywhere near the top of the issues that people are most concerned about. But at the same time, when we look at the public reaction to cases like Citizens United, there is certainly reason to be concerned when groups that are the beneficiaries of those kinds of rulings 
are playing directly in to, to that narrative of the fear of money in politics. Paul Sherman is an attorney at the Institute for Justice. You can read more about the problems with restricting electoral speech at our website, cato.org.